SEC football is fully back. The Pac-12 is the only undefeated conference. Colorado had a big upset with an entirely new team. Georgia had yet another arrest. And can we get an idea of who will make the playoffs after week one? Football is back, and we've got the stories on this episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Sermon, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake's Silb. 14 as always this is sponsored by variety sports network at variety underscore sport underscore your home for all sports in different forms and varieties welcome to the newest season of jake's take podcast it's so great to be able to say that that's right we are now open on season four you know with college football now starting it is so great to be back you know you've been so patient with us throughout the summer and we are finally back and excited to have some more news stories and some more stuff that we can focus on here. Now, Christy wishes she could be here, but she's feeling a little under the weather. That's okay. She'll be back for our Friday episode. But in the meantime, we're going back to our roots. And I guess you're stuck with me, which, as always, and as I typically say, it'd be like that sometimes. Well, SEC football is back. You know, it's a great time of year. Obviously, like we said in the South, the SEC is what we are known for. You know, we take pride in having SEC football. And I'm super excited for this. You know, it's a great time. But let's kind of recap what really had happened with our SEC teams. You know, most of our teams looked really dominant in their first week. And then Ole Miss took out all their pain and fury out on Mercer. So I don't know if I should be, you know, excited for them. I think with this, you know, I don't want to cut all it a statement win. But it showed that they weren't as rusty. But speaking of rust, we did have a few teams that looked pretty rusty. And those were... Tennessee and Georgia. Now, it doesn't surprise me, you know, it's the first game of the season, and I've heard it all throughout every broadcast that they don't have a preseason, they don't have a way to prepare, this is their first opportunity, and I understand that. But still, this is the defending national champion, and this is a team that was expected to, you know, come back and compete and build off of a very impressive season last year. So I think with this, you know, we ha- definitely have a lot that we could look into, which was definitely important. But, you know, I understand, it. you know, you start off a little rusty and that's OK. And then you had Florida, who really had no idea what they were doing. You know, I don't want to say that Florida outkicked their coverage, but with it, you know, this is a brand new team pretty much. And they're just trying to get accustomed to everything. But who knows? You know, Utah could also be really good. I mean, they scored a 70 yard touchdown on one of the first plays of the game so you just kind of have to see there but aside from that all the other teams looked really dominant and then you had teams that just didn't really look dominant you know South Carolina who they were supposed to compete with North Carolina they only put up 17 points Spencer Rattler was sacked nine times you know that reminds me when Bryce Young was sacked that many times or seven times in the Iron Bowl Typically, you don't win a game if you're sacked that many times. And if the defense is, you know, punishing you, it kind of makes sense. But then also, here's the thing. North Carolina was without its top two wide receivers. And Drake May also threw two interceptions. However, South Carolina couldn't capitalize. Now, could South Carolina continue to improve over time? Absolutely. Anything is really possible with this team. You know, I think that they could still be consistent throughout the East. But this was, you know, a very important game for them. You know, North Carolina's ranked 21st. 
and they'll probably move up in the rankings. But also, this was kind of the Battle of the Carolinas, so it's just very interesting to see what happened here. And then we have LSU. At the time of this recording, it is Monday. Happy Labor Day. Yesterday, the LSU Tigers played Florida State. LSU had a good first half, and that was it. LSU did not make any adjustments. LSU did not do anything to prepare for the second half. They got destroyed in the second half. And you had receivers dropping balls. Malik Neighbors fell down, which led to an interception. And then you had Jordan Travis basically torch the team. They had one touchdown in the fourth quarter to make the score 45-24. to 24. Aside from that, it was Florida State all in the second half. And with this, I feel like, you know, it's still early on. But that's kind of an embarrassment for LSU. Because LSU was hyped about the, let's see what Ryan Kelly, Brian Kelly could do in year one. We saw what he did here. Let's see what happens when he has a full season. And he brought in all these transfers. And then this happened. And obviously, I know it's still early in the year. I know that there's still a good amount of time left. But this is not a good first game. For you to have control of the first half, and then nothing happened. And I think with this... It'll definitely prepare LSU for games against Ole Miss and Texas A&M and Arkansas and Alabama. But they play Alabama at home this year. And Alabama at home is completely different than they are on the road. So I feel like right now we were hyping up Brian Kelly a lot more. But now we're kind of seeing how things can look with him. Now, like I said, we'll just have to see how the rest of the season goes. This is the thing with week one is that we overhype things. We focus on some things as well. And then with this, you know, we kind of just will either do really well or we won't. And then, of course, we have Jalen Milrow. Now, Nick Saban did not keep it a secret how he wasn't going to announce who the starting quarterback was going to be. He obviously did when it mattered. And then Jalen Milrow came in, had five touchdowns, threw three of them. Two of them were long touchdowns. And then he also rushed for two touchdowns to have five total touchdowns and replace Bryce Young, who was the number one overall pick, the Heisman Trophy winner two years ago. That's just incredible. Now, we still have a lot to wait to see because Alabama plays Texas this upcoming week. And this is going to be a very big test because Texas wants revenge. And we've been hearing that because they lost by one point in Austin last year. But Alabama is playing at home. And they have all these teams coming in. You've got Barcelona coming in. You've got Game Day, SEC Nation, you name it. It's going to be packed in Tuscaloosa. So very much get excited. But right now, we had a good start to football season for our SEC teams. A lot of them looked dominant in their tune-up wins. There was some rust. We'll just have to see. Auburn's trying to make the two-quarterback system work. And, I mean, I'm for it. If it works, you know, go for it. And then really with everyone else too, dominant wins, congrats to the SEC, except for the two teams that lost. They will grow from it and they'll be back strong in week two. I also do need to add that Ole Miss was beating Mercer by so much that Juice Kiffin, Lane's dog, was doing tricks while everyone else was loving it. So that kind of shows that Ole Miss was scoring a lot of points, but, I mean, it's classic Lane. Lane loves offense. Lane is going to do crazy stuff like this, and this was also something that Christy wanted me to report on because you know how much she loves Lane Kiffin.
Now, moving on to our next point, which is in regards to how the Pac-12 has been performing. Right now, the Pac-12 is undefeated at the time of this recording, which is really weird considering the fact that they're falling apart. You know, like we said, the Pac-12 has basically lost everyone. They're going to the Big 12. They're going to the Big 10. They're going to the ACC. And they're starting off the year as a conference undefeated with teams like USC, obviously, you know, being 2-0. and then you've got Oregon State, then you've got Oregon, or as Christie is referring to Oregon as Bonix being the ESPN's new man crush and just acting like Johnny Manziel, which I could see. And then also shout out to the Oregon Duck for doing more than 500 push-ups. Now the Oregon Duck does push-ups every time there is a touchdown scored, and they will do the amount of push-ups for every touchdown scored. So, yeah, close to 500, that's just insane to me. But with this right now, you know, Washington and Oregon are looking good. You know, they've got two of their returning stars coming back, and Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix. And it brings up the question of, could a Pac-12 team be successful this year? Possibly, yes. But here's the thing that I've learned about Pac-12 teams. And I respect Pac-12 teams. I respect, you know, the West Coast. They can never get out of their own way. They will always have one year where one team is really good, and then they will lose to a random team or lose to a team that isn't as good. And then that team will lose to another team, and then so forth and so forth. They just can't get out of their way. So I know it's still early. I know it's only week one. But in my opinion with this, maybe they could be better. But then also you have to understand that these teams cannot play defense. I mean, USC is so bad at playing defense. UCLA. Not good at playing defense. So I think it's possible that they could compete this well. But at the end of the day, you know, remember, the Pac-12 is falling apart and all the teams are moving on next year. So would it make sense for them to win it one last time for the Pac-12 this year? In my opinion, not really. Now, on to our next point, which is a very big one in regards to Colorado upset TCU. Now, Colorado came in as an entirely brand new team. You know, they got most of their players from the transfer portal. Basically, they had a max mass exodus of players come in, trusting that three times fast. And of course, you had a new coach in Deion Sanders. In this game, not only did Colorado beat TCU, but they came back and beat TCU. Now, TCU is the runner-up, but there were a lot of questions, too, in regards to did TCU really deserve to be the runner-up in the college football playoff, and with this, I feel like this is can be a hit or miss, because on paper, yes, but they were a Cinderella story, and they went out and got you know destroyed by Georgia, and now... With this, you have Colorado in the first game. And I know we've been preaching it throughout the episode that it's week one and it's early and we still need to see time before everything develops. But now you've got people who are supporting Coach Prime. And that means a lot because he came in and he was tasked to build up a program, a program that had one win last year. That was one in 11 and come in and basically start from scratch. He brought in. A lot of his players from Jacksonville or Jackson State. Sorry about that. And he also got a lot of players who came in from the transfer portal. He basically started over and they looked good. 
because they have a really good quarterback in Shador Sanders, who is very accurate. He knows how to play mistake-free football. But then you also have a two-way player, Travis Hunter. Now, Travis Hunter played most of his snaps on defense and offense, and he was playing both sides of it. He had two interceptions, or I believe he had an interception, and he also caught a few passes. He's a dynamic athlete. He's in talks for the Heisman. So is Shador Sanders. And with this, he performed so well. Now, there's only one player who played in two sides in the NFL in recent memory. And that, of course, is Deion Sanders. So if there's anyone who can coach Travis Hunter, it's prime time. Now, we've also heard about how you have a star who's going to be playing on offense and special teams or defense and special teams. You know, Cooley McKinstry is the punt returner for Alabama, and he's also the starting cornerback. This is different. Travis Hunter is going out there and playing on offense. Then they'll score a touchdown, and then he'll go back out there and play and cover the team's best receiver. It's just insane because we are going back to an era of football where it can actually work. And a lot of people are saying that he could be a candidate for the Heisman. I would like to see that. That would be terrific. Because the last time we had a player who won in defense and offense as a two-way player was Charles Woodson. I think this would be terrific. But also, people are all in on De- on Sanders. It sounds like he really wants to change the culture there at Colorado. It sounds like he really wants to build this team up. This is what you want in a football coach who is now going to be at Colorado. And I'm very impressed to see this. You know, right now, people are going to say, look at the accolades of what Dion's been able to do. Rich Eisen said something about how Dion's the only one who, I believe, had a great on-base percentage. And he also had multiple kick returns. Yeah, Rich, continue saying stuff like that. I mean, as one of my favorite analysts and as my role model, I agree. But that's the thing, too. He's coming in and making a difference. And so many people counted him out. I don't think we should. I think what he's trying to build at Colorado is going to stick. And it's going to be really good for this program, this culture, and the athletes there. Now, on to our next point, which pains, pains, pains me to say. Because it's the same narrative over and over again. Another person associated with the Georgia football team has been arrested. And this time it was Jarvis Jones, a former linebacker from Georgia who was released on bond. But still, it's the same narrative. We've dealt with it this whole summer and now fall. And I really just do not know what is going on with this Georgia team. Now, he was arrested on reckless driving and speeding charges. And this was less than 24 hours before the season opener. And Kirby Smart had said that there will be an internal discipline and it's a personnel matter and I can't comment further on it. Well, on the bright side, Kirby's at least saying something because here's the thing. Kirby has not said anything really after all these crashes. You know, we've had so many crashes throughout this offseason you had Tyrion Ingram Dawkins and Samuel Mpemba who were cited for speeding you had Jalen Carter you also had some other incidents too with Cedric Van Pran 
who had said that this can't continue. It was just getting out of hand. I'm glad that Kirby wants to do something about it, but it's kind of one of those things where it's just too little too late. You have to do something now. This is a team that is competing for a three-peat. And this is going to catch up to them. You know, this could become a distraction. I feel like nobody has learned. And no one's talking about this. You know, we're talking about Alabama all the time. We're talking about USC. Okay, another Georgia player got arrested. That's it. But let's talk about someone else. It doesn't make sense to me. I feel that with this news, they need to focus more on Georgia. Kirby built up a great program and Kirby built up a great culture. However, it is looking like it's having some trouble because you have other players who want to goof off, who want to break the law. It doesn't look good and it's not fair to the culture that Kirby has built up. So I think what they need to do is find a way to just kind of keep getting things situated, keep growing and make sure that, oh, I don't know that this doesn't keep happening because we've had what 10, 11 arrests. It's just uncanny and they need to figure out a solution. Bring someone in, talk to these kids. They need help. They need to learn what to do because right now what they're doing right now just doesn't seem to be working. And finally, on to our very last point, which is going to be about who will make the playoffs based on week one performance. Now, as said and as echoed throughout the rest of the episode, it's still very early to tell, but there are a good few ideas. And that's the good thing about it being the end of week one, where we can see which teams we think will be there. So Mark Ingram had stated that he expects Alabama and FSU to be two of them. Michigan could be an option. Also, very confused on why Michigan is finding ways to honor Jim Harbaugh because these penalties were self-imposed. Very weird. J.J. McCarthy wore a shirt that said Free Harbaugh. Don't know what he's doing, but I mean, stand up for what you believe in, I guess. Ohio State could be an option, but... They don't look like they have the answer at quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that their current quarterback isn't going to be a great fit, but it's still early. And, you know, when you're so used to seeing Justin Fields, CJ Stroud, Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace, or Braxton Miller or JT or JT Barrett, it kind of goes a long way because now you have a quarterback you have to develop more and it happens you know it catches up too so Ohio State could be an option Michigan I think could be an option now with this Ohio State could make it but they struggled in this game against Indiana Indiana isn't necessarily known as being a football school but like I said you know it's the first game of the year people will tend to struggle FSU had a very dynamic win over LSU where LSU made once again no halftime adjustments could FSU compete with Clemson in the ACC? I think so. But here's another name that you should continue to add or consider adding. North Carolina. Drake May has done terrific things last year. He did really well in this game against South Carolina. So maybe he's someone that you can look out for and see what happens there. But also, the ACC could be more than just a one-team conference. Typically in the past, Clemson is the one that usually runs it. Maybe this year it's another team. 
maybe we see something new there. But Florida State has a lot of transfers. And of course, Mike Norvell is building something very impressive there. So we will just have to kind of see and be on the lookout. SEC teams. Could Georgia make it? Georgia is expected to make it. Alabama is expected to make it. LSU. If LSU can bounce back, they can. But you need to make adjustments. Brian Kelly did not make any adjustments. Fans are blaming this on their quarterback, Jaden Daniels. It's not a Jaden Daniels thing. If your receivers are dropping passes, and if you can't really get anything going and you go for it on fourth down and don't convert, you aren't doing yourself any favors. So I believe that with this, we are looking at maybe could LSU be out? I don't think so. It's still too early to count, but them losing and getting destroyed 45 to 24 in week one isn't what they wanted when they signed up to play Florida State. And that's another thing too, is that Brian Kelly is now 3-10 and against AP top 10 opponents. He plays a few other top 25 opponents too, and he plays Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Things are going to change. He needs to make the proper adjustments. Ole Miss is a very strong school, and they're playing, you know, very soon. You've also got Arkansas who could play upset maker. Texas A&M, Auburn. Anything can happen in the SEC. That's what makes it so intense in the SEC. And then, of course, I want to be here without mentioning Tulane. They came out with a big win. They are also 1-0. And sadly, they did beat my hometown team of South Alabama, but that's okay. Could Tulane make it to the playoff? Maybe. That would make quite the story. I mean, this is a team that is really trying to grow and can find its groove and especially replace a lot of their NFL talent. So anything really could happen here, but I'm all for it. Right now, it's still early to tell. We'll see what really happens in the future. But at this moment, you know, week one is in the books. We'll almost, Clemson plays Duke. Maybe Duke will play spoiler. We don't know. But at this instance, it's very exciting to see that college football is back. But that is going to do on this Tuesday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support. It is so exciting that we get to have football back and that we get to keep creating more content for everyone here. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Jake's Take Podcast, or my personal Instagram, Jake's 14, or my personal Twitter at Sweets by Jake. You can follow Christy on Instagram, TikTok, and threads at Christy Marie underscore double zero. As always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sport underscore. You're home for all sports and different forms of varieties. Be sure to check them out. We've got a lot of great content coming in during NFL season and college football season. It's going to be a great time. As always, you can find this episode on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Well, basically, on all podcast platforms, drop a like, drop a follow, subscribe, share this with your friends. We greatly appreciate all the support y'all are doing. Get excited, like we said, because this is a big time of the year for the South and for SEC. And at the time of this recording, we just witnessed Clemson losing to Duke. So this is all going to be a great year for college football. 
But as always, as always, thank you so much for all the love and support. Continue to be great. Be the best version of you you can be. Bring smiles into this world. Be a light in this world. The world needs our help because it can still be a very scary and interesting place. And as always, we love seeing you here from y'all later. Take care.